Welcome back, The Lighter Side, Joe and Tom, and we're going to continue our series for the Outlook Metropolitan Division. Last time we talked the top three teams in the Metro Division, the Washington Capitals, Philadelphia Flyers, and Pittsburgh Penguins. Today we're talking the Carolina Columbus and the New York Islanders. Tom, welcome in. How's it going? Joe, doing well, working on the playoff beard. I'm getting fired up, so. Yeah, every day that goes by is a day closer now. It is, and uh, looks like it might happen. And uh, uh, they're talking about uh, July 10th, teams uh, getting to their training camps. So pretty pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, less than a month away. It'll It'll be good once it's finally here. Yeah, I'm not sure they settled settled on a hub city yet, though, and that'll be interesting. Um, I'm not sure if they narrowed that list down that we brought up. Uh, yeah, so I, sure. I heard Vegas brought up again. Uh, yes, was getting ready to be announced. I don't, I don't see if that they announced it at least as of today. Um, you're figuring uh, what maybe one. Uh, one U.S. city and one Canadian, perhaps? I would think that's what they'll do, but who knows? Yeah, I'm not not sure. Honestly, I'm not too eager to be in Vegas, because what is it going to be, uh, all 9 o'clock games? Eastern yeah, time here? I, I know they have the amenities over there for sure, but, you know, I don't know about the, uh, the distancing uh, issue. Yeah, I heard I that Vegas... I heard the strip's a ghost town so far, even though the state oh, really? reopened. Yeah. That surprises me. I'm actually thinking them as we get closer to when they want to play these games, I'm thinking it'll be a little bit more act- active, right. and I'm thinking the safest place to be might be on the ice. Right. That city. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. And then I saw uh, Bettman. I, I don't remember what show he was on. Mentioned that they're gonna. They're figuring that they have to get this wrapped up by October eighth. So we're gonna cram. That's two. That's we said it's gonna be about two months. So that makes sense. Once they get going in August, might be a little tight, but right. So what's what's this? What's the haps then? What, okay, so so they wrap it up by October. Is there going to be a break at all, or is there? Uh, they go right back into another training camp, or, or or just go right back into the season? No, I didn't see any info on that, so I'm not sure. Uh, once I would, I'd figure they got to give a couple weeks off, and then what? Getting started by end of November, beginning of December. Right. You know that that interest. That's an interesting point because I look at the seven teams that aren't in the playoffs right now. And then the ones that are going to bow out early after this first qualifying round, um, I'm wondering if they're going to really come out of the chute with a little bit of an advantage. Right. Uh, being there a little more fresh uh, because if Batman wants to get the – doesn't want to tamper with the following season, which is very important, mm-hmm. um, he's going to have to start that up. So a two-week uh, – you know, it'll be a two-week uh, break probably for just obviously the, the two final teams but uh, 
but yeah, I, I can see maybe uh, maybe them getting a little bit of a uh, maybe an advantage having fresher legs and stuff. The timing might not be there, so it might be a, a wash. Who knows? Yeah. So we'll, that'll be interesting too. Yeah, there's a lot to squeeze in because you got to move in. I'm sure they'll still have an NHL awards show, and then you're going to have the draft is going to take a weekend. Then you're going to need to do a lot of period of time for free agency. Um, then get the training camps. I mean, maybe a couple of these things, the training camp will run concurrently with the free agent. Uh, I'm not sure how they'll do that. I haven't heard anything definitive yet. Actually, really any plans of how they're going to segue into the next season. Um, yeah, I think the two main things are getting that Stanley Cup awarded and then get the draft out of the way. And then I think they'll spin everything off, you know, off that as the, the central nervous system, so to speak, of the whole thing, the whole idea, and uh, just play off that. Right. Yeah, what if they, I guess, I, I guess if you think about it, there's probably potential they don't even get this thing started until January of 2021. Yeah, see, that, that that's a failure to me then, Joel, because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be, then you're tampering with two seasons, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's you know they needed to they need to get that season uh, next season started no later than November early November so mm-hmm. anything later is a failure and uh, if you're talking January I think that's a monumental fail and they're gonna have to shorten the season down to another you know shortened season like a like an, in a strike season or something mm-hmm. yeah I heard so. I heard something, I don't remember where I read it, if it was an opinion piece or if it was somebody in the league throughout a scenario, but it was something along the lines of, could this be what hockey looks like from now on, where they start in January, um, and this way they're they're playing playoffs through the summer, and they're only going head-to-head with baseball versus competing with the, the NFL season college football as well as the NBA playoffs? Yeah, I'm not so sure. I just know that uh, hockey with its rich history and records and and everything, you're kind of you're tampering with that, just like any other sport would if they shorten their season. Um, I know in, in Europe they play 45-game seasons, but, uh, you know, I hope they don't go that route. Uh, but uh, I think uh, – they, they might be thinking that might be the, the way to go uh, to get their product, you know, probably better and uh, really to understand, let people understand how important it is for a playoff gate as far as financial right. uh, goes. Uh, they probably think that could be enough. But, you know, keep in mind, you still got to pay these salaries and stuff. I wonder what that would do to a salary cap. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what uh... – how it would affect it, especially if they played less games, you'd have to uh, retroactive, retroactivate yeah. that somehow. Take away, uh, yeah. I don't know what they would written. do. Yeah, so you, you you try and come up with solutions that would make things better, but then you you're adding two or three more dilemmas. You know, it's it's a glad I don't have to make those decisions, but uh, hey. I just think that they needed to get this uh, moving a little quicker, maybe shorten that camp up and get this done, you know, so you can get the other season in by, 
you know, the end of October would be ideal, actually. So really, you're only missing three weeks. Mm -hmm. They used to have issues when they were sending the guys over to uh, for the Olympics. I know there was other factors that worried about them, you know, getting hurt, and then it damages the product uh, when the NHL season restarts. But even when they were taking those two weeks off, and then you figure they've been given each team uh, sort of like a week by at some point throughout the season. Just those three weeks, it was really screwing up, and they were having issues, and teams were complaining about how the schedule was so compacted, and they were playing so many games in such a short period of time. So, with this upcoming, uh, the upcoming twenty twenty one season, it's it's going to be really tight, especially if they do try to squeeze it in by June. I I don't see that there's any way that this doesn't, you know, tail into the middle of summer again in twenty twenty one. Well, I guess they might have to do away with that for a season, those breaks, uh, the seasonal breaks and stuff, and maybe forego an all-star game or, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing, just to get the thing in in mm-hmm. moderate time, you know, so you're not playing, like you said, into June and July. Uh, you want to get this done by, usually playoffs should be done by late May, third week of May. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that's their problem. Yep. Well, let's get into it. Let's cover the, the next three teams in the Metro Division. I mentioned before we talked Washington, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. So today on this show, we're going to cover the Carolina Hurricanes, Columbus Blue Jackets, and the New York Islanders. Again, looking at what kind of shape they're going to be in going into the 2021 season with what we know now. And maybe take a look at some options for them to improve each of their rosters. Maybe they're in a tight spot and potentially who might be on the board when it's their time to draft. So let's start with the Carolina Hurricanes. They played 68 games in this shortened season, uh, put up 81 points, was the 11th best record in the NHL. Uh, when the 2020, 2021, or for this 2020 draft, they're going to have eight picks. Now, they're, they're in a little interesting spot because three of those picks are conditional draft picks. Uh, so I can run down those when we get to that portion of it. Um, but they're looking at, you know, they got four, four unrestricted free agents on their main roster, two restricted. Uh, they should be, judging by who they have to re-sign, uh, they should be pretty tight up against the cap by the time they're done. So I don't know how much room they're going to have in free agency. They got 11 about 11.6 million projected in cap space, you know, but they got uh, uh they got uh they got Van Reebsdyke and Joel Edmondson on expiring contracts. If they decide to bring both of those guys back, they're going to be looking at uh a little bit of a pay raise. And then of course, uh Hayden Fleury's a restricted free agent, his contracts up. So it's three key defenseman uh, on that team right now that's kind of the let's say the bottom three bottom three guys but still very very good defenders uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes yeah most definitely Joe I'm looking over the free agents here and uh, and you also have uh, restricted free agents you got Fogle and uh, who's a left winger uh, Justin Williams is out there and he's almost like a renter a renter player for them uh, to plug in. It seems like that's how he might finish his career is, uh, maybe come in the second half of every year as long as he's willing to, uh, produce like he has. 
Um, I guess he had gotten 20 games in after people thought he was going to be retiring, and he was very productive having uh, eight goals and three assists. And he logged 13 minutes, 13 and a half minutes a game. Uh, so they thought maybe uh, he'll be a big cog for the playoffs, and we'll talk about that probably in the, the next show. Uh, you also got Vatanen, Sammy Vatanen, another defenseman who got uh, was acquired by New Jersey on the trade at the trade deadline uh, before the shutdown here. So the, the good thing about uh, Carolina, and they're in a really good situation, Joe, and it's a team that intrigues me greatly because uh, uh, they're one of the youngest teams in the NHL. And uh, their key players are already signed to long-term contracts. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, you know, the Canadians also uh, did did the, did the hurricane a favor, uh, you know, by um, throwing an easy uh, to match offer sheet uh, to to Aho last year. Right. Yep. So it, it really surprised me because then he came over and he was uh, they tied him up for five years and didn't have to to break the bank to do it. Mm-hmm. Out of those players, I mean, you the, the main players that they have, there's only two guys that have uh, more than a $5.5 million uh, dollar hit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it looks looks good for them. Uh, you know, like I said, they got Teravikin, they got Jordan Stahl and Iho, or Aho, who's uh, those two guys are the ones with the – uh, that were they have the five point five million dollar hit, and then you got Niederreiter and uh, Vincent Trocheck, uh, who's it was a great pickup in my eyes. Uh, they got him uh, right before the deadline as well, uh, and he he could fill long term center needs for them, and he's a pretty good bargain. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got Jacob Slavin, uh, Brady Skyge, and uh, uh, Brett Pesci. Um, all these guys are twenty six or younger, mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, then uh, they have an option with uh, Dougie Hamilton, who's got another year on his contract. Um, and obviously you got uh, Shvetsnikov and Martin Mikas, or they're both uh, still tied up on entry-level deals. And they're not going to be unrestricted free agents, Joe, for another six seasons. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. Uh, so, you know, you talk about Carolina as a team, and um, the thing that impresses me about this team and, and why I think they're going to make noise in the playoffs this year, like they did last year, uh, is they're a good team on, on the road. They're they're nineteen thirteen and three on the road this year for a young team, and uh, I, their power play is really good. So I mean, there's a lot of things that are looking up for them. Um, what do you look What do you look at, Joe? As far as uh, their goaltending's a little little suspect to me. You agree with that, or? Yeah, I don't. And Peter Mrazek's kind of streaky. We've talked about it before. He's a little showy in net. He does seem to play well in big games, but again, it's big one game, and then he kind of settles in and he's pulled the next night. He's never really seemed to find that consistency. James Reimer, he's probably at at thirty two. I don't know that he was ever really. I guess he's a serviceable starter, depending what team he was on. But I've never looked at him as you know, kind of a go-to guy in net, and he's probably borderline backup goaltender on most teams uh, in the league. So I think uh, with this playoffs coming up, and you know, Carolina is going to be a part of this uh, this playoff experiment this year. 
Um, they're probably going to keep you know, both those goalies you know, through the end of their contracts and pick one of them at the end of that 2021 season and trade away. I didn't look at their goaltending prospects if they have someone uh, serviceable that they could bring in in a, in a backup role towards the end of a season. But, yeah, they're, they did play pretty well. I think they only gave up 193 goals this season. So that's yep. in the top. That's probably the top seven or eight fewest goals given up this uh, this season. So, like, it, But we did mention they do have a really good defense defense core so that helps out quite a bit yeah i'm very uh very high on their young defense you got slavin and uh peace you got skype you got gardner those guys are all locked in until the 22 23 seasons and then you know you you got some play like i said earlier with dougie hamilton who's coming off an injury uh, i think he'll be ready for the playoffs and that's one of the benefits of the shutdown uh, you got you got uh, one of the best five man units in the league right there, Joe, and they're all young. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way their contracts are structured, it cur- currently gives them a huge advantage to adding pieces next year as well. Yep. So I'm excited about that. And and you mentioned the draft scenario for them, how they have many picks, but uh, uh, they got a weird scenario going on with their first round picks. Uh, mm-hmm. I you know where you know they they hold two. Uh, first-round picks. There's in Toronto, uh, but they owe New York the Rangers mm-hmm. in the trade for Brady Sky. You know, at the at the deadline. Yep. So the condition of the trade in uh, with New York was, uh, I think, to send the worst of the two picks over to New York. Yeah, whichever so is later. Yep. Yeah. So technically, if things shake out a certain way in the playoffs, and this is kind of what you mentioned in your little rant uh, uh, of the last show or two ago, uh, only this is another dilemma it could present, is uh, they could end up with no first-round picks. Right. So, you know, you right. know you know how it works, right, Joe? The Maple Leafs, yep. they get that, could get a one-to-three spot, yep. which I think use them as an example. Yep. Or they can, yep. uh, you know, be no lower than a top ten. You know, depending on how they did in that crazy, uh, you know, lottery deal they have going and uh, based on this uh, qualifying round that was added in this playoff structure. Yeah. Yep. No, there's a chance. Yeah. Toronto loses in that qualifying round. And then I think if it went just on this points percentage, I don't think Toronto would be in the top 10. I think they'd come in at like 11. Um, so they'd have to be one of those teams that win the draft lottery and get the top three. And then in that case, yeah, Carolina would get Toronto's pick in 2021 and they would have to give up their pick to the Rangers. So yeah, they could, they could end up with no first round picks. So that's crazy. So that, you know, I remember we were talking, um, when we did the segment uh, where we did the one through five, the the six through ten, and the the eleven through fifteen picks, and and going over the players, and we were talking about Askarov, the goalie, mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned maybe he'd be a nice fit over there uh, for a team or a Minnesota, one of those teams that had two picks or whatever. Right. Um, you know, uh, I believe you know he would be a good pick if that was the case, but I got a feeling. You know, now that I know what I know about uh, and uh, the fact that they they aren't going to be awarded two picks, because uh, they got to award one, and hopefully mm-hmm. they can 
keep theirs uh, from Toronto. Right. Uh, no, but I think uh, I think uh, Carolina is going to go probably what around 19. They're going to pick around 19 maybe uh, for their draft pick. Yeah, you'd think uh, that Toronto and Carolina. Yeah, either way, if they get out of that first round, um, yeah, they're going to end up. Yeah, I mean Carolina would have a better chance. With their pick, yeah, it's probably going to be a mid-round pick either way. I don't know how this yeah, is all going to break out now. Well, I'm telling you, a nice pick would be uh, a kid, a Russian kid, Rodion Amarov, okay? A lot of people are talking about this kid now. He's, he's, he he kind of was a um, kind of one of those hidden gems that we, we discussed, uh, and, you know, his name's starting to, to leak out now, and he's a, he can play all three forward positions. He's listed as a right winger. He's got good size. He's a 6'1", 181. He's kind of built like Fedorov. Um, and he, he could fill out, but uh, he's probably one of the top all-around wingers in the draft, Joe. Just came out of nowhere. He's a quick release, an elite stick handler. The kid can skate, and he's also he plays with an edge. Uh so he can play in all situations because of those tangibles, and he's he's a he's a finisher too. He basically is a nice solid body checker. So you're going to have this kid playing penalty kill, power play. He's one of these guys that could you know if he has enough IQ, and you could even ask him to play the point on the power play, and and even if they turn the puck over, he won't get caught out of position, or it won't be a a mismatch for a skilled forward coming down on him. Um, so that's a nice pick in my eyes, uh, and I think that's probably where they're looking to go uh, with their draft pick. Yeah, and you mentioned you know where they you know if they get a mid round pick who they take, but they got you know we talked you know they got their defense pretty solid. All those guys are really in the the prime of their career. They're really they have a young a young team up front, you know, J- Justin Williams being the only guy that's in his mid to late thirties. Other than that, Jordan Stahl's 31. All the other guys are, are fairly young. They got two really good guys and Ryan Suzuki and Dominic Bach. Uh, they Suzuki played with his junior team this year uh, and box on loan, uh, over in Europe. Uh, so I'd, I'd assume that he'd come to North America Next season, uh, Suzuki will probably get bumped up to the minor league, but those guys both have potential to to knock on the door, and I don't know that Carolina has a roster spot for them with the age of their team. I'm telling you, Joe, but it just goes to show you how organized they are over there. The, I believe it's Jimmy Rutherford over there, right, or is he over in Pittsburgh? I can't um, remember. He bounced, he bounced no, they got, they got Don Waddell's the GM over there. Okay, okay. Whoever's over there, he's doing a great job and uh, with these contracts and um, the age of these kids and everything's kind of falling into place for them to, to really be a solid organization for a, a, a good 10-year run here. So right. um, you know, that's, that's the, the key to doing things right. And then on the other hand, you're looking at Kenny Holland who kind of I don't know what he was thinking after 2009, but uh, all that caught up to him, and you see what it can do to an organization. Right. Uh, it could set you behind 10 to 15 years. 
So whatever Carolina did in the, the way these players are coming in and they, and yeah, you can, you can afford to, to, to keep a, a stall and uh, Justin Williams uh, and play him the way you want to play him and make him a valuable player in certain situations because he is one of the best money players of, of all time in the NHL through his, throughout his career. He's proven it. So, uh, based on the way they're structured and the young talent they have, uh, they can afford to, to to do these little nuance moves that uh, that you saw with uh, with Justin Williams. So I'm excited to see where this team goes. I mean, I really like their power play. I like what I saw last year, and they're only going to be tougher. And you know, it's uh, some experts are saying the Rangers just because they beat them four games all four games this year, they're they're going to run right through them, and I just don't see that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about Andrei Sveshnikov yet and Martin Neches. Those guys are going to be some stars on this team. Exactly. I briefly brought their names up, but yeah, you, uh, yeah, those two guys. I mean, uh, they're they're like I said, they're on Joe. They're on entry level deals for six more years. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, it just it just makes their cap much more flexible, and uh, you know, Carolina probably. Not the biggest market, obviously, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it will be a destination where players won't balk at going. So, right. you know, it depends what they're doing over there. And uh, I think, you, what do you got, Brindamore as the coach over there? Yeah, Brindamore's still the coach. Yeah, and he's very liked. He's, uh, you know, he, the pl- people like playing for him, and uh, I've heard nothing but good things about him. And he kind of approaches the bench the same way he did as a player, and so they got a lot of really good things going over there, I, you know, and and uh, really look for them to be a team in the Metropolitan Division that really bumps up into that top three, you know, uh, into that uh, discussion with Washington, Pittsburgh, and Philly. So that's going to be a real tough division mm-hmm. in the next few years uh, based on what I'm seeing uh, these rosters morphing into. Right. What's well, our Carolina Hurricanes? We get to the Columbus Blue Jackets. They were they they finished with eighty one points, so tied with Carolina uh, for the eleventh best uh, in the league. I think their point percentage puts them down a little bit. Uh, they're gonna have five picks in this upcoming draft. They don't have a second or third round pick, so they're gonna pick one, four, five, six, and seven. They have uh, quite a few guys on restricted free agents uh, contracts that are coming up, eight of them. Uh, so that could be quite the interesting predicament for them, depending on who they want to pay. With they're going to have about eight point nine nine million dollars in projected cap space uh, to work with. So Columbus might find themselves in a, in a tight spot this off season. Yeah, they 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 will, Joe. And uh, but the thing that I like about Columbus is, and we'll talk about them in the next show as well, uh, because they're going to be facing a a young Maple Leaf team who people seem to think are primed to make a run. Um, but uh, the thing I like about Columbus, Joe, is a lot of their a lot of their draft picks are still with them, and I'm talking right. about even like from eight years ago. Uh, a lot of guys are sticking out, which which to me proves that they're drafting properly uh, and they're valuing the players they're drafting enough to keep them. 
right. and allow them to develop. And a guy like Josh Anderson, who was drafted in 2012, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, they missed him this year, Joe. Uh, you know, and uh, this team already lacks scoring punch. It's right. been that way for a few years now, and uh, that tells you how good their defensive core is and how heavy they they are to play against. They're a very heavy team, and uh, they really they really put the pressure on you with their body and uh, and their physical game. And uh, Josh Anderson had a, a posterior labral tear, I believe it's a sh- you know, shoulder, and um, with this layoff, he I believe is probably ready to go for the playoffs. Right. Uh, you also got Pierre Luc Dubois. You, he's six, another six foot three kid like Josh Anderson. Uh, and then you got Garakov, who's another six foot three kid. And these guys are all like two fifteen to two twenty uh, in the weight department. And uh, Gar- Garakov is a uh, defenseman. Uh, he was also dra- uh, drafted in two thousand fifteen. Uh, in round six. So they're finding these guys. And uh, Tortorelli likes this kid, uh, Joe. Basically, he says, if you look at the kid, he's all arms and everything, but he, he and he looks real ugly when he plays. He's, he's not the most fluid guy uh, you know, on the eyes as well, but he, uh, he doesn't get beat. He does not get beat on one-on-ones. His length is very good. Kids logging almost 19 minutes a game, and he's a plus one. Uh, you know, he's got 18 points. So guys like this, you know, and uh, and Atkinson had an off year, um, but uh, they're going to need these guys to come up big in the playoffs, and that might erase the frustrating year they had. Uh, but you can't go wrong, Joe, with the, the you know another kid they got is Jonas Corposalo. He's a he's a goaltender that they're pretty high on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis Mers Likens, another kid that uh, showed well enough to warrant uh, another maybe con- uh, a contract. Uh, they they call his uh, they call his contract basically a show me deal right now because he had to prove himself and uh, I think he did that this year. Uh, and he said to have been the best goalie uh, outside the NHL last year, so that's saying a lot. Um, he's basically quick and. Uh, He's pretty pretty ver- ver- uh, versatile in the nets. He's got a great attitude, and uh, they're looking to get those two guys in the mix. Uh, Corpusalo became an all-star, uh, so they're looking good in the pipes, uh, in between the pipes, Joe. Uh, and these guys are both uh, restricted free agents. You also got Kevin Steenland, who's a six-foot-four forward, a center. Uh, once again in the 2015 draft, so you see a theme here, Joe. They're, you know, these guys are they're they're being uh, groomed patiently in the in the minors, and uh, you know, Tortorella believe, believes this guy can be a top nine forward. He's got a great shot, and he, he could help their power play because he's really good below the dots. So uh, they do have some prospects in the organization, and uh, ones that have been playing already that are kind of. You know, need to be re-signed soon, but uh, they're looking good. It's just the cap space, like you mentioned, is going to be a problem for bringing in some some uh, reinforcements that have already been proven NHLers. That could be, you know, posed to be a problem for them. So some of these guys they drafted are basically going to have to start, you know, putting some pucks in the net and maybe go, going beyond expectations so they can uh, be more than a one-dimensional team, Joe. 
Yeah, and they got uh, Nick Felino, who I think is one of the the better captains in the league. He's not uh, not someone you're going to hear a lot about. He's not flashy, but he plays really well, and he's he really came into his own once he left Ottawa and joined the Columbus Blue Jackets. He seemed to get better. He just fit into their system. Um, I think he's a real good leader for that crop of young guys that they have. And then you got the young Zach Warinsky. He put up 20 goals this season. Uh, from the blue line, yeah. and he's and he's not a liability back there either. No, I I like uh, Warinsky, the local boy, and uh, he fits well with Seth Jones. They probably comprise uh, the the top two def- uh, number one defensive pairing in the league. Uh, let's face it, that's the core of their team. That's the mainstay right there. Is that elite defense they have, and uh, they really don't have an elite goal scorer or playmaker. I'm thinking the draft uh, they need to be searching one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do have uh, critical components in their foundation. It's the two guys just mentioned, Warinsky and Seth Jones, uh, which is going to give them long-term success and always keep them around. And, uh, and Tampa Bay knows that all too well from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you also got uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. We, we, you know, he's a top-line center. I think Cam Atkinson needs to have bounce back. Uh, I, I would say season, but now that it's been enough time with this uh, layoff that we've had, uh, both him and, uh, as I mentioned before, Josh Anderson could come back and um, basically make a difference in, in the playoffs. And so maybe they can have a little retribution this year after all. Right. So uh, we'll see what happens there, Joe. But uh, I think the long-term needs of this uh, this organization is – Maybe at the center position, they need playmakers. They lack scoring. I mean, they do have some guys like I'm sure you heard of the uh, the kid Alexander Texier. Um, they could put him in that role, but he had a back injury and it kind of derailed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, I think that kid could come up. He's pretty good uh, below the dots as well, especially in his own zone, Joe. So Tortorelli likes guys like that that can come in and uh, maybe put up some offense, but yet they're mainly responsible uh, below the dots working with their defensemen. This kid's a good safety valve center. Uh, he really reads the play well and and could bail out uh, his defensemen uh, by uh, breaking pressure and stuff with his creativity and his ability to handle the puck. Uh, he's not afraid to do it. So uh, you got to have a little swagger to do that and um, – this kid looks like he might be the real deal, and unfortunately, like the back injury derailed that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'd be like having another draft pick, Joe. So mm-hmm. this kid can get healthy. Uh, maybe we'll see him in the playoffs too. I'm not really sure wh- where we're at with the back injury. I haven't heard anything on it yet, but uh, that'll be interesting to kind of follow as well because uh, that's going to be a quite a, quite a unique series, Toronto and Columbus. Um, but to keep in mind, Joe, that another thing that you got to look at is in in the in the big spectrum of things with this team is they had 15 overtime shootout losses. Mm-hmm. So you're figuring if they could have won any of those, I mean, you're talking about 15 points there, uh, possibly more. Uh, and they could have pulled away from the pack pretty substantially, right? Uh, if they would have done fairly well in that, I think the Wings had a same uh, year where they had the same scenario, uh, could have seeded them a lot better. I remember they played, I think, Boston in the first round, so they were in the eighth seed or something. But if they would have won even half of their shootout games, right. they probably could have pushed right into that third slot and they would have got a better matchup. 
and it might have carried them away from all their, you know, right. those physical teams that they have trouble uh, matching up against. Right. So, uh, yep. you know, but uh, you, you talk about draft possibilities, Joe. I mean, what what do you think their need is? I mean, do you think it's just goal scoring, or what if a kid like Sanderson is there on the board for them? Oh, do you think yeah. they would take him, even though he's he's kind of like a, a Warrenski clone? Right. Yeah, I didn't look too much at their defense. Yeah, they got a couple of young guys, uh, that, but they're not. They're more, you know, college signed players. Uh, they don't have really anyone that's a drafted high level prospect on the blue line. You know, they got a couple guys up front. Um, I think you mentioned Tarasov. He's probably ready. I mean, he was on loan uh, over in Russia this past season. I would assume that he's going to come over and play in North America. And if he starts off the year playing well uh, down in the minors, I think he's you know, primed to get called up, especially if there's an injury. And I think he he might even be good enough uh, to play, so he could you know up you know put some pressure on Corpusalo. We, we've seen it with these other teams; they'll uh, put two young goalies in and let them battle it out. Um, so yeah, I think they're good there. I, I, if I was them, I'd. I don't know if they can take Sanderson. Maybe they're in a spot where they'll trade back if they find themselves in that spot and try to land a second or third round pick along with going back in the first round uh, if they can land another pick because it is a deep draft. Yeah, Joe, I'm looking here. They've only had the first round pick. They've only had it twice in the last four years. So even if they did take Jake Anderson, okay, if he's available, and I don't think he will be, but um, it'd be a nice piece to add, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you'd be taking it. It would almost like to be taking the best player logic, right? Uh, available, available logic that, that with that pick, but because uh, really their defense is pretty sound, and their their minors is uh, is developed a lot of guys too to plug in as well. So, but I'm thinking if they do take him, he he would fit in and slot nicely into that second pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could be pretty deadly over there and just shut teams down. Yeah, and they uh, but, have. But listen, yeah, well, go ahead. No, they don't even have a 30-year-old defenseman on that roster. Savard will be 30 at the end of the season, but it's almost – I mean, they're young and they're really good, so I don't know what you do with a defenseman because it's not – you know, if they did take Sanderson, they're not going to be able to plug him in for a while. Well, maybe I guess he could come in and they could decide not to resign Savard, uh, but there's nobody aging ready to move out with a need for someone to plug in. Well, it could be that thing where you bring him in, you plug him in. He's got that entry level contract, much like so a lot of right. players in Carolina do, and then you get rid of a heavy contract back there. But I, it wouldn't be a bad pick. But uh, I, I, Joe, I have about. Seven other players that I think that would fit the bill for them in the draft. Um, let's go with uh, Noel Gunler. And okay. We talked about we him talked a little bit. Yep. Yeah. This kid's a high, a very uh, a risky pick, but a very high high reward if he does pan out. It's a, a very uh, he, he basically it's a gamble because he has a suspect attitude, but this kid has top ten skill and. Right. Uh, you know, the problem with it is, though, over the years in engaging uh, how Columbus operates, they usually covet character guys. 
So this may keep them away from Noel. Uh, and it might push them towards this kid that we brought up um, a couple other times, Dylan Holloway. Okay. Which yep. uh, kid could be a steal. He fits that that Columbus uh, mold of uh, just being a very physical, you know, big body, you know. And I think uh, the only way they'll get this kid is if uh, people look at his freshman year where he didn't have very pro- uh, productivity uh, as far as in his uh, his numbers. Uh, so this could drop him. People are that you know finicky about players. Right. Um, they could hold that against him, and uh, he could make him available. If if he was, I'd take him. Right. Probably over Anderson because I think it would fit. Uh, you know, fill a void that they have right now. Uh, another kid, uh, I think that they could go for next, and you like this guy. He's one of the top, probably top six centers in the draft. Uh, Connor Zeri. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, great character, great work ethic, and he'll probably probably land in that fifteen to twenty pick range, which Columbus maybe could get there. I mean, where are they projected, Joe? If where the- are they projected? If the draft was now, let me see. I gotta pull it back up just so I can get it. If we went just based off of how yeah. the season finished, they would pick. Uh, where are you, Columbus? They would slot in right at fifteen. This mock draft's got them taking Jack Quinn. Okay, well, ironically, that's my next <laughs> next player I'm mentioning. So it's funny you should mention that. There's that I whole. There's that whole group of guys, Dawson Mercer, Connor Zary, Jack Quinn, and Seth Jarvis, that could probably go anywhere from 10 to 20. Yeah, and you know, this kid's interesting, Joe, because we talked about him, and a lot of people are, you know, he could be there for even teams that are successful in the playoffs because uh, this kid, this kid, basically, I'd take him over Rossi. And uh, I think a lot of people think his success was due to Rossi, but we, remember we we kind of uncovered the fact, and I, I brought up some points why that wasn't the case because they never never really played with each other, other than maybe a occasional power play. Right. So his his play was predicated on his own doing and the players that maybe he played with. Uh, but if he was still there, I would take him. That would right. be the guy I would take. Yep. Here's another kid, uh, Jan Jan Misak. Okay, okay. This kid, this kid has the top 15 skills, Joe. But he's an electric player. He's one of them guys that you notice when he's on the ice, much like the kid from Portland. Uh, what was his name again? I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, he, he was a top, Jarvis. Top, yeah, Jarvis. So Seth Jarvis. Uh, same type of player. You just notice him. He's an electric kid. He's just like always around the puck. Uh, he's intelligent, you know, and he's produced pretty much and adjusted at every level that he's played. So that's something, there's something to be said for that. And guys like that, you can usually, you know, you know, get in the later rounds. And uh, because they're, they're intelligent, they can maybe develop a lot quicker than maybe, say, an earlier guy who doesn't have the IQ. But mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he has a better skill set than him at the moment. Uh, and then there's this Ro- Rodian Amaroff kid again. You know, I, th- I think he would fit in well with Columbus as well because he'd basically be a playmaker. Um, you know, so we'll see. Uh, no, actually, no, he's correct that. He's a goalie. 
he's not, no, I'm wrong. I wrote that wrong. But he, um, uh, this kid is basically, uh, like I said before when we talked to, about how I think he would be a good player for Carolina as well. But this kid's just got a all-around polished game, and um, that could bode well for him to be a, an immediate impact player as well. So, and then the last one, Joe, we talked about was Dawson Mercer. His name's going to be coming up. A lot of these teams that might have long runs in the playoffs, this kid might last. Uh, he's a 200-foot player. Uh, his skating might keep him uh, back in, you know, in the draft a little bit in the first round. Uh, but he's smart, and he makes up for his skating with his uh, high IQ. Uh, he'd be what what's de- deemed as a safe pick, Joe. And uh, he's another kid that could just you could plug in, and you know he'd be a consistent pro for ten to fifteen years. So right. not a sexy pick, but uh, you know Columbus isn't a sexy team. They need sexy right now. Right. They need they need a player that can come in and uh, and be a facilitator and a guy that can you know help put some uh, goals on the board because they. And they got to do it every night by committee as far as a defensive style, and that, that's tough to do. Right, right. There's our Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's uh, wrap up with the New York Islanders. Uh, they they played 68 games this season at 80 points, which slaps them in as uh, the 14th best team in the NHL. They're going to have five picks in 2020, and they're in that nice position where they don't have a pick until the third round. Um, they got five unrestricted free agents, uh, three restricted free agents. We know one of those unrestricted guys, uh, their goalie, Thomas Grace, he's looking for a starting job. Uh, so he's not going to be back with that team. They're projected right now to have about $12.5 million in cap space heading into this offseason. Yeah, Joe, I mean, and this is tough because they have three free agent priorities. and uh, Matt Barzell, uh, Polak, uh, Ryan Polak, defenseman, and Devin Taze, okay, who's another defenseman. They have about $13.4 million to sign these three guys, and I don't think that's going to happen. So you might see Taze uh, being the odd man out here. Now, good thing about it is you got guys coming off the books. Like you mentioned, Thomas Grice already. you got Derek Broussard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Kanaki and Matt Martin, who I believe those are the two guys you might want to, you know, make them uh, probably re-sign them at a value contract right. scenario. Okay, so that that basically would help them a little bit. I think out of the three, you, you, obviously you're signing Barzell. That's a given, right? Yep. Everybody knows mm-hmm. the leading scorer on the team and, and how he dominates when he's on the ice. Uh, Polak is a pretty diverse player, though. Um, he's a good D-man. He's a top-pairing defenseman. He can play on the power play, Joe, the penalty kill. Um, he has some offensive flash to his game. Uh, I think he's going to be looking to be paid probably McAvoy money or the kid we mentioned in Columbus, Wierenski. Mm-hmm. Um, probably three year deal around five mil. Yep. Maybe, maybe back loaded on that last year. Uh, so I don't think because of that, Barzell and this guy, I, I don't think they're going to have enough money to sign Taze, but they may get lucky if, uh, the NHL is supposed to raise the, uh, salary cap an extra two mil. 
Mm-hmm. So this may help them out. And, you know, they may have to move Boychuk. Right. So Boychuk's making pretty hefty uh, contract right now, and I believe his six mil a year goes down to four mil. Personally, I think he was overpaid. Yeah. Um, but he also there's a there's a tricky thing to that, Joe. He's got that no trade clause, which uh, usually uh, throws a wrench into a lot of things. But uh, yeah, but so their cap room is uh, getting a little dicey. Um, you know, they need to really get that thing pushed up around 15 mil to be able to get those three guys signed. And I know they want to get that done, so we'll be watching for that. Uh, the new faces, you got goaltender uh, Ilya Sorokin. Okay, he looks to team up with the, the, the Semyon Barlamov. Uh, he wants to make the roster and, and, and you know team up with Varlamov to for the goaltending uh, tandem for the future. Mm-hmm. And then you got Wallstrom. Remember him from the, the National? Yes, uh, I do. Yes. Yeah, I think I think he's ready to make an impact, and uh, he could slide in and become a top six forward. You know, play him alongside of uh, Barzell. Uh, that could be a pretty lethal combination because this Wallstrom kid can shoot the puck. Yeah, he can. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then you got Kovoyla, uh, Col- uh, Otto. He's projected to make the team and earn a, you know, some minutes. And uh, he might take those minutes that were, uh, you know, given to Broussard at the time. So he will be a. He could be signed to a value contract as well, you know, and. Once again, to keep that cap cap manageable, not just for this year, but for next year as well. So, who do you who do you think the, the, the what do you think their needs are, Joe? Well, I was going to ask you a question first here. Okay, sure. I'll cut in. What do you think Lou Lamarillo is going to do with the pain in the ass that is Josh Hosang? He's on a restricted deal. They don't see eye to eye at all in that organization. Are they going to qualify him? and try to trade him, or are they just going to let his contract expire and let him sign somewhere else? Because they haven't had any luck getting rid of him. No, I think, he. you know, we talked about reputations, Joe, and uh, players give themselves reputations. You don't want to be messing with a guy with Lou Lamarillo's reputation because players respect him. And um, if if you got a guy that's bumping heads with him, you know, that's going to red flag everybody in the league. So, yeah, now you can't get rid of this guy, but this this makes it tough for him to to find a home and, and settle in. So he'll end, he'll end up with one of those teams that, you know, will will deal with him because they're in the shape they're in as mm-hmm. far as their, 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 their um, depth or something. You know, but he's one of them guys that is always going to be bounced around because once a team settles that problem – you know, then they don't want to deal with this guy anymore. Right. So, yeah, I think Lou might cut uh, ties with him. Um, he, You know, he's got some other people that can fill that role. You got any other players, you, Joe, you think might fill his role? Uh, I mean, they got Kiefer Bellos coming through. I, Hosang is a pretty good playmaker. I think Bellos is more of a of a goal scorer than, than a playmaker. Dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And obviously, you know, Wallstrom's a sniper. They got that Simon Holmstrom. Uh, I think he's a little bit more of a, a playmaker. He's not ready yet. So I don't know that they have anyone 
Well, what position prospect did he play? wise? He's a winger. Is he right wing? Yeah, he's yeah, a right wing a slash kid. center. Okay, they got a kid that Lou Lamarillo loves. His name is Noah Boyko. He's a six foot one, one hundred and eighty pound kid out of Lethbridge. Tough kid. He's only seventeen right now, Joe, and he's got solid offensive skills. So he could be the guy that fills the void there and bring you in a better character guy that you don't have to babysit. Right. You also got, you know, some other, you know, you can you can draft him, okay, which you could probably get him in the later rounds. I know the Islanders don't have a first-round pick, okay? What do they start at, the third round? Third, yep. They're not picking until round three. Yeah, they had to get rid of that first round for Jean-Gabriel Pajot. They got him from Ottawa. Uh, so basically, they got third through the seven. And I'm looking at the, the Islanders are notorious for picking up Finnish goalies, too, mm-hmm. and developing them. So they got Blauquist, who they might pick up, a kid named David Ma, who's a defenseman out of Shattuck, right. St. Mary's. Uh, you got left winger uh, Trevor Kuntar, you know, who's, who plans on going to Harvard out of the USHL right now. Uh, Ma is supposed to go to Princeton. So these guys aren't going to be picks that when you're dealing with three to seven, you're, you're basically getting guys that are going to probably go off to college mm-hmm. uh, or, or the minors. And I think this Boyko kid might be the ticket, you know, coming out of Lethbridge and, and filling that void at right wing. But, and then there's a center Tristan Robbins, who's pretty skilled. Um, Still needs more strength, upper body strength, but he's skilled as all get out, and uh, he gets his wingers involved. Uh, you got uh, another goalie, Markinen, who's um, a, a tall, rangy goalie. Uh, needs to pick up his strength. He's another Finnish goalie uh, that they can groom uh, along with Blumquist, and uh, you might have a one-two tandem of Finnish goalies over there. Uh, and then there's other guys like uh, Alex Young, who's a kid that's going to play. He's a right winger, a great facilitator. He's going to Colgate to play. And Alex Lafreriere is a right winger out of Des Moines in uh, the United States Hockey League. He, he's a very interesting player, as well as Ruben Rafkin, who plays for the Spitfires, a very physical defenseman, but they can take, uh, have discipline problems on the ice. Uh, so yeah, they're they're not a team that's going to get well, Joe, with with the draft pick, uh, picks this year. Uh, so they basically they're stockpiling and uh, pushing these guys and hoping other teams can develop them, and then you know in a year or two they can check back with them and see if they've got you know got a diamond in the rough there. Right. Yeah, another guy that interests me that might be available. He's one of those guys that ranks anywhere from thirty-one to I think. 83 or 93 is that uh, Sam Colangelo, the right winger out of Chicago, USHL? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I think he's, uh, he's someone big and he skates good, good puck handler. Um, he likes to shoot the puck, but I, I don't know if he'd be a good fit since he's another shoot first kind of a guy, but he's someone that in, intrigues me because, like I said, he's. He's rated anywhere from the last pick in round one to the last pick in round three, depending on yeah. what process. He sounds like ranks. a hockey player, doesn't he, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those names yep. that sounds like you, you can yep. hear 
you know, I used to do that when I was a kid, you know, you, you, you get my Bruce Martin voice out, you know, and start doing my, my, my Bruce Martin imitation and, uh, you know, saying a kid's name. And if it just sounded true, you know, it's like, ah, he's right. probably a hockey player. You know, kind of a weird way to look at it. But, yeah, like when you mentioned his name, he sounded like a hockey player. But I guarantee you, uh, he, if he can skate and he's got some size, I mean, you know, there's there's a uh, those guys, you know, you might want to, you know, put them on the put them on the shelf and say, hey, you know, I, if he's available, I'm going to take him because uh, there might be something there. Right. Yeah. He's a interesting, interesting pick, and that's once you get into that, you know, actually, once you get out of the top ten, it's pretty much a crapshoot on where all these guys are ranked. You see it on the alleged experts list, and you know they vary amongst all 31 teams. Um, so yeah, that the third round, depending who's there, there could be a guy like, like Colangelo that maybe, um, you know, the Islanders are looking at and think that he is a late first round talent and he's still on the board and it's someone you just can't pass up. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Bellows, you know, and I forgot about him and, uh, I, you know, they had Wallstrom and, you know, like there was another kid too that they drafted that it was pretty good draft pick and I'm thinking these these guys have got to be ready to go too so it's one of those things where you get these prospects that are probably in their second and third year of development so they're either make or break man so it's almost like getting a draft pick you know it's you know it's just and that's what they're going to be looking at this year in the draft I mean you got a bunch of guys that are going to go off to college their bodies are going to grow and you know they may come back you know, being a proper pick for them, mm -hmm. um, you know, in that good good return on your investment type pick, uh, you just got to be patient. And, you know, the Islanders are going to, what they're going to do is uh, basically do what they do. I think Barry Trotz is their coach, right? Yeah, Trotz has been turning around ever since he got there. Yeah, and, and the Islanders, Joe, no matter who's coached them since, you know, the days where they won those five cups or whatever with the, the Trotches and the bossies, and then they had to rebuild and everything. But even after that, they, they've always been a team that has worked hard, whether they had no talent during the Casparitis days, but they pull off an upset against maybe Pittsburgh or somebody in the playoff. But they always had those teams that worked hard, and you knew you were going to have to work to beat them. And that's one thing they're doing right now. And so you can buy a little time with a with a team like that because the fan base won't get frustrated. Fan bases just want honest, hard work. Right. Yeah, eventually right. you're going to want to see uh, productivity for that hard work. But, you know, it, blue collar, can ne you can never go wrong with a hardworking team. And if they're playing their system, they're going to win games. And when they did that, had that long playoff run um, a couple years ago, they basically did that, and with with the same type of team they have now, and they did that right the years they didn't have Tavares. So people were probably wondering what's going to be their playoff fate. Do they have enough scoring punch? But you know they do have guys on that team that can turn around and and, and bite you if you make a mistake, and they do play that New Jersey Devil you know, back in the day, early mm -hmm. mid nineties mm -hmm. rap. And, uh, right, you know, but they can turn it back around on you, and uh, they can make you pay with the uh, Anders Lee and guys like that, and Barzell and and uh, and the like. So uh, you know, I think uh, as long as they can continue to do that until some of these players 
um, pan out. But, man, I don't know if they should have been giving away their first-round pick this year, knowing it was a deep draft. I kind of question that move. Yeah, knowing it's a deep draft, it's a chance to cash in no matter where you're where you're picking at. And I do just to go back on what you were saying that Islanders they do they remind me of that classic mid nineties team where they can roll all four lines and they don't have to worry on most nights putting their fourth line out against the other team's best lineup and letting them rough them up a little bit. Yeah, I mean you got Clutterbuck. I think Clutterbuck's there, right? Yeah, Clutterbuck, yeah. Uh, Martin, and I can't remember who that third guy is. They throw out there. Yeah, but they got they they, they come at you, and uh, they they're built for the playoffs too. Right. Even though mm-hmm. they're, they're not extremely sizable, but I, I just uh, than than Columbus maybe let's say, but uh, right. they they beat you a different way, and um, that's going to be an interesting series too because they're going uh, against a team too that's a, a bit has sizable forwards and kind of gambles a little bit to get scoring chances. So they'll give up a little bit and that might play right into uh, the Islanders style. And we'll talk about that in probably the next show, because I think we're talking about the matchups in the qualifying round, but I'll leave uh, uh, people, uh, you know, wanting to get to that show too and give it a listen because it's, uh, it's going to be something. Yeah. Well, let's uh, wrap it up. Let's uh, Carolina. Columbus and the Islanders, the three, four, I'm sorry, four, five, and six teams in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, we'll wrap up the Metropolitan Division covering the New York Rangers and New Jersey Devils the next time that we talk about our season outlook. Until then, uh, Tom and Joe, we'll see you back here next time on the lighter side.